and welcome to another episode of Historical and Mysterious. And I'm Ian. And I'm Jay. How was your week, Jay? It was good. It was uh, closer to the holidays, and it's one of those things where I kind of put on Christmas shopping for a bit, till the last minute, of course. I I was going to go, uh, and then work called me in, yeah. and then I was like, cool, I'll probably have a day off before I leave for home. I don't. I don't have a day off. <sighs> So I think I'm just going to wait to go home and then go shopping and then get beat, beaten up by people. Because every time I go out, go out shopping in California, people are significantly meaner. What do you mean? Like, like in what way? Rude. How? Just like vicious. how? Like, like okay, give me an example. So I was in Walmart. I was leaving a uh, alley, like a non-alleyway, I guess. What's between? Uh, so I was leaving just an area and I, I cut off. I was walking. I walked in front of this guy in a wheelchair, a motorized scooter, I guess. And he, I, I was, he wasn't like he was far out or anything. It's not like I immediately cut him off. I, just I have to, through. you have to make that distinction. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like guys, he was lazier because it was, it was motorized. <laughs> it so just so you know, just so you know, he wasn't even burning those calories. <laughs> exactly. But you're an asshole, then, Jay. And then he's all like, get the fuck out of the way. And just like kept on going Whoa. with his motorized scooter. And I legit, like it wasn't even like a cutoff or anything. It's not like I jumped in front of him and was like, what's up, handicap? And then I kept walking. No, I just walked in front of him to the next aisle. And no, he did not like that at all. And I'm like, damn, I'm just trying to get a turkey. Well, you should not uh, belittle the limited mobility yep. of such handicapped persons. He Jay. may be an asshole, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> he was an asshole. He was. Yes, I can say well, that with uh, well, a yeah, firm belief. Yeah. Like that. What kind of response is that? Like, hey, excuse me, or can you move? Like even that's even it's better. Like, an that's even better. like, excuse me, sir. Yeah, I'd rather prefer that rather than <laughs> get the fuck out of my way. And I'm like, all right. Oh, jeez. You, you're like, <laughs> like, oh, damn. Oh, my God. You got some issues. I just had a real world moment here. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, things, people aren't always as nice as they are. Uh, a jarring moment. It, I was just put inside a jar. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how I felt to a T. Thank uh. you. But yeah, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time, and I'm looking cool. forward to it. And I'm really sick at buying people presents. I still have yeah. to buy you your present. I'm, so Well, same, same. Okay, Although good. I do have a couple already. Um, however, uh, my week, okay. So uh, as you know, I work at this retirement community, and I have this position on the weekends. Yes, I work on the weekends. Hey. But, you know, got to pay them bills. Exactly. Uh, but on the weekends, I go in extra early, and I, for the independent living portion of the retire com- retirement community, has a smaller kitchen with a smaller kind of buffet service for the independent living residents and stuff. That means they can, like, move around and everything. Oh, and they room, have right? more mobility, got and they've, they've got more cognitive function, and, and you know, they're more uh, uh, okay, and, you know, Sounds good. someone debatable with some of them. But I'm not yeah. naming names. <laughs> He got in a physical fist fight. Um, Just kidding. No. Almost. Oh, damn. No, not really. Oh. No, not really. <laughs> I was going to say, how are you still but working these old people, I'm telling you, these old people fucking talk about politics sometimes. And I, it's my job to just cook the eggs and, and set up the food the and, and yeah. refill stuff and, and brew coffee your, and, yeah. that's, and then clean everything and break it down when breakfast is done and go back downstairs to the kitchen. Can't argue with but, that. Yeah, and I just let them. And there's people on both sides. Wait, do you hear about Roy Moore banter at all? Did you hear about that? Oh, definitely. What was the like consensus? Oh, it was it just, just oh, little, well, little uh, bit both sides, oh, okay. both sides. Wow, you know, I and stuff of like there was uh, stuff like uh, oh, I'm just disgusted with them. Like even the suggestion is just appalling to me. And then there's one like oh, oh well, you know, there's no proof at all that it's true. You know, uh, oh. you you pay me two thousand dollars and I'll say you raped me. And we're like, well, first of all. Yeah. $2,000 is not a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, second of all, the fact that you would say that for any amount of money just speaks to your character. And yeah. third of all, the burden of proof should not be on the 12 or 14 or however many year old underage girl. Absolutely. It should be on the grown ass man. Absolutely. So anyway, not to go off on that tangent, yeah, but right. anyway, <laughs> but most of them are cool and, but. During these this IL breakfast while I'm cooking, it's especially in the beginning, in the first half hour, it's uh, painfully slow and painfully quiet. And I have this small square speaker, and I asked my boss last weekend, uh, I presented her with the idea of, hey, you know, do you think I could, with my speaker and the music in my phone, because I, I like... All kinds of music. Oh, yeah. Music from all different eras, from classical music from to, back you know, in the 1700s days. Oh, to yeah. uh, music from the f- I, 30s, 40s, I, 50s, you know, to 
punk rock from the 70s and, and 80s and just everything and, and not a lot of country not no. a lot of rap but some hip-hop and yeah i feel like you have some like early 90s hip-hop <laughs> maybe about five or six country songs that's it really i'm surprised you have that much uh yeah i mean but, <laughs> just for you because you don't like country music at all no I, I don't so that's uh anyway but uh i asked her if i could like assemble a playlist of all the music that i think that i just think stereotypically i guess that they would enjoy but even so uh just as background music not as oh. like a concert for them or yeah. something but just as background music especially when it's at its quietest they can still talk and stuff and oh yeah you know and it's just like a nice little ambient make it nicer you know? and she said oh that's a good idea and you know uh, ask them i asked if i should ask them and she said no, no no just try it you know and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but you know i think they would like that and that's a good idea you know yeah just don't put put in the speaker in a place where i can get to it <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, very cool. How they how they respond? Well, I haven't done it yet. It's this oh, weekend. Okay. It's just this last weekend that I even approached it. her with the idea. So you're gonna pick good playlists because I think I heard well, you. Well, I have like, Frank Sinatra, yeah. Barry Como. I have the McGuire Sisters. I don't know I who have they are. Billy Holiday, Louis Armstrong. Uh, the essential old person music. Yeah, uh, yeah. But just good, I have but Buddy good Holly, musicians. I have. Uh, what, what what's his name? Uh, Benny Benny Hanna? No, Benny Hanna. No, not. <laughs> I was Benny gonna say Hanna. Benny God Davis. It. It's Benny, <laughs> Benny Johnson. Benny Benny, Benny Johnson. Benny, Benny Hanson. Benny. There's a son. There. Anyway, you know somebody should just comment and be like, "Hey, asshole, it's this guy." <laughs> You're gonna play his music. You don't even know his name. Yeah, that guy. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so oh yeah, so I finished Mine Hunter. The oh, first, nice. Yes. Out. Very good. Uh, Very good. Se- I also rewatched it just to have it in the background while I was doing research for this week's topic. Oh. Um, and I just, I really like it. And I've it's also so had developed, I have developed a crush on Jonathan Groff because I've, of it. I feel like everyone has a crush on Jonathan. I mean, just as, as we should. <laughs> right. Should. I mean, it is definitely. <laughs> there needs to be more shows. Understandable, uh, you know. I think he's just yeah, a universally good-looking guy. Just socially required at this point. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, and what else? Oh yeah, and I introduced my friend, my best friend in the whole wide world, Chandel, who Shout I out. am going to get hopefully to co-host while you're gone on Christmas break yes. at least one week. Uh, uh, into one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, a little movie from 1995 that was written by a little actress we all know, Emma Thompson. An oldie but a goodie from, you know, England called Sense and Sensibility. Oh, no. Jane Austen adaptation. And it's like one of those long, slow, period piece chick flicks with all these white chicks, you know, having, oh, we're poor, but not really because we still have two servants and we only (laughs) live in a two story cottage instead of a grand mansion. And, you know, it's like. Oh, uh, you know, and all these intrigues and, and romances that spoil and all that the stuff. The scandalous and, stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. But it's like, it it's so well done and it's well written and you just like it so much. And there's characteristics and the way that the actors, it's Emma Thompson, Kate Winslet, and uh, the, 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 the actress who plays the mom, like, I don't know her name, but y- you recognize her face. Like, she's been in other stuff. Yeah. And then there's, like, the actress who plays the little girl at the time. She's grown now. This is 95 when this movie came out. But she was a girl at the time, and uh, I don't remember her name, but she was a little sister. Hugh Grant's in it. Oh, wow. Uh, and Alan Rickman's in it. Wow. Sounds like quite the cast. I haven't seen it. What else? Who else? There's a character named Fanny who's a real bitch. Oh. But anyway. Oh, damn. Fuck um, her. For anybody who's seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But it's a really good movie. It's a really good chick flick if you're into that kind of flick, if you're into that kind of specific type of chick flick, too. Because there's rom-com chick flicks and there's period piece dramatic chick flicks, you know, which, you know, some you're into, some you're not. That, if you're into those kind, the dramatic kind, you know, that's uh, a good one. And uh, I introduced her to it, and she liked it so much that you know when we recently hung out, like a couple a week or so afterwards, you know she's like, Ian, I really like that movie, and I'm like, Oh, good, awesome, because yeah. like nobody likes that movie, <laughs> nobody, you know, you're I'm the not, only one. <laughs> I'm the only one. They get like uh, they fall it like it's not that they dislike it; it's just they fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, I feel like or that movie. Or you're like, okay, so why is that a big deal? You know, exactly. and 
it's just understanding, you know, Jane Austen culture and stuff and, like, how, like... It was back then. You know, yeah, how, like, uh, the fact that uh, Kate Winslet's character, Marianne, was writing letters in the middle of the night to a man that she was not engaged to, that was scandalous. Yeah. you a, a woman could only write letters to either her father or her husband oh, or damn. the guy she was engaged to. Other than that, that's what, what are you doing? You know, Some, that's, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of briefly kind of alluded oh. to a little bit by just the, the dialogue yeah. between the characters, but it's not the emphasis of the, the implications of that time yeah. aren't really understood unless you read the books. And like, I kind of did, I kind of was obsessed with reading Jane Austen for a while. I did read Sense and Sensibility because I always loved the movie. The book is, Okay, so to be honest, I I like her writing. She's good. The story's good. It's more filled out like any book from the movie, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But there were times, to be honest, where Jane Austen is mind-numbing. Uh, I've heard that before. <laughs> and there, there's good parts. Of there's course, definitely good yeah. parts and beautiful parts, but it's... Be a little uh, bit tedious. Anyway, it takes a long time. Of course, Northanger Abbey took I that that I thought would I would read quickly because it's like the darkest. Yeah, one oh, of yeah. her books, you know, kind of so through that shit. her yeah. most, uh, you know, what Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, okay, novel. I guess got it. You the know, kind of dark, haunting, yeah. gothic oh, manner yeah. with a guy that she doesn't, know, you know, or whatever, and something like that. And but that, that one, one I like had to pick up and sit down like five different <laughs> times. Did you finish it? No. Oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, I introduced her to that. That's basically, and I've been working. Nice. So oh, and my mom is coming, coming to tomorrow. visit tomorrow, Ooh. which I'm excited slash oh, nervous yeah. for. It'll be a, it'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. Christmas time. See so that's mama. my week. That is my coming week. Hell yeah! Sounds like um a- and yeah. So yeah. Uh, so historical I, mysterious. Histo- my- you are history, so take it away, sir. All right. So the history of the week that I did. What will you be talking about? Prohibition. Prohibition. Yes. Whoa. Whoa. Right. It's such a like. I'm a little offended because I was gonna drink after this. Oh well, you shouldn't because it's no, against I'm God. Just Whoa. <laughs> Throw. I. <laughs> uh, but that was just some of the thinking people had back then, I guess. I. Uh, so, for those who are unfamiliar with Prohibition, it was basically a ban on consuming or selling alcohol recreationally between uh, 1920 and 1933 under the Volstead Act. Uh, however, uh, so I just want to make a kind Sorry. of... <laughs> you just hit, hit my shit. Knee. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, I just want to make a little note. I'm I'm trying not to go into the most like well-known stuff. Of course, I'll bring up speakeasies and stuff like that. But I want to go into the things that like I, mm-hmm. I didn't know about. And I don't think some uh, maybe some other, maybe everyone else knows about it. And I'm going to be like, did you know this? And you're like, yeah, every, everyone know about that. But we'll see. Uh, so, one thing that I thought was pretty like interesting was that it sold, it could still get sold uh, medicinally. So, like, oh, doctors oh, can prescribe well, it and I mean, everything. so could cocaine. Exactly. Right? Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, uh, exactly. And heroin was also a thing. But what kind of got me was, like, they sold about $40 million in whiskey prescriptions during Prohibition. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> I mean, well, so let's just, like, drink with a piece of paper. Right. Anyway. I'll, I'll just basically say I'll go and have a headache and they'll prescribe you with it. But people, you know, they don't want to go to the doctor. Kind of like how in past years, like in California, when it was like so much stricter to get marijuana, you had yeah. to go into the doctor, say, oh. My back hurts. Uh, you know, my, yeah, my back hurts. Or, you know, I, I sneezed twice in a row. Yeah. Help me, doctor. And they're like, oh, uh, here you go. Yeah. And then you go buy your fucking weed. Exactly. That's pretty much like, so I thought the correlation was pretty interesting. Uh, so right. the reason people really supported this type of ban was because of alcohol. Alcoholism was pretty big in America, and a lot of it, people thought of it as a root to a lot of the violence that was happening sometimes uh, within families. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, the yeah. idea kind of started from the grassroots by the Women's Christian Temperance Union, and so they kind of brought this to thing. They wanted kind of a uh, sober and pure society. And they kind of brought up these ideas like, hey, look at the violence. Look at all this is alcohol is the reason that all this is happening. And so, uh, of course, Protestant Christians jump on the bandwagon. It was kind of like, all right, this is going to be kind of a thing. Uh, They believe that it can bring families closer together, really. 
So uh, a group that I was kind of surprised who really supported this was the KKK. Uh, or they uh, were, well, I, I I can see that actually. I I, I can see that. I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> I didn't really see that. I I was like kind of shocked because I thought they were, like the KKK in the South. Like you're telling me those guys were sober all the time. I don't know. Well, yeah, <laughs> like Klansmen, just like hey, uh, want to play I, cards? Well, I don't sober, know about that. Bro. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, not that I am an expert. I don't know. I actually I have. It's funny you should mention the KKK, actually, because I recently watched on Netflix a documentary about the KKK, like, today. A British oh. guy. Um, it's, like, it's like KKK semicolon subtitle. But I – and I which I don't remember, obviously. But um, it's it was interesting. It's this British guy asking from a British um, – um, removed from American society as a whole perspective of, like, so what – the very general basic question. There's – crazy parts where they say like unfathomable crazy things that you know like they say in movies and of stuff because it's a scare like it's supposed to sound horrible so it's like oh yeah them jews and yeah and all that yeah and uh you know how are you like jewels yeah oh yeah too that was because they you know kind of scared me watching i was uh, like oh shit <laughs> damn <laughs> Looking at you know, yeah, kind of made me think he was gay a little bit though. <laughs> anyway, um, probably was, but it was just very informative and just learning what I learned from that documentary. That's why I say early what I said earlier yeah. about how like it doesn't surprise me. So they, yeah, I can see how, like their with... official stance oh. would be no alcohol or for prohibition or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, go on. Well, uh, so they uh, were also like they kind of saw themselves as like. Like the fighter against this, like or like fighter against people who drink. For example, like a large amount of the KKK got together and burned saloons in Arkansas in 1922. They burned them down, and anyone that they met that was uh, smuggling alcohol or doing something illegal with alcohol, they would beat violently. And so it was just kind of like Jesus Christ. Uh, when the prohibition took place, of course, this brought a lot of uh, brought out organized crime. On the you know black market thrived in this sort of thing. Uh, tax revenue was lost, uh, so of course any sort of money you got from alcohol wasn't going to back into the state or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the cr- crime raising, uh, a crime raising, crime raising with the crime raising, uh, <laughs> violent uh, violent crimes, uh, violent attacks with other gangs would happen. This would kind of uh, this was kind of the example of the Valentine's Day massacre. Mm, okay, yeah. And alcohol, still first on the back market, of course. It said that Al Capone raised about $60 million in sales, <laughs> which is crazy. And this was in one year. Okay, I mean, good for him. But, whatever. I mean, I think back to the time in 1922, $60 million today is a lot. I have no problem with the money. It's all the murder. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just saying. It's a lot. I mean, I'm just shocked about how much money this one man would raise. You know, of course, he has no, organized I'm not. crime. No, I'm not, because he's one of the few that actually... And he's like in always selling in areas like New York and Chicago or whatever that have a lot of people, and he's one of the few. And he's like violent, not just against the police, but also against other people, like competition and stuff. So he yeah. just kind of has a monopoly. Like that was just kind of Al Capone. Like, oh yeah. But again, I just thought I don't know. He with how like because on an average American spent like even during Prohibition, which was a lot, was thirty five dollars a year. And with a thirty-five dollar yeah. on average, I just thought like sixty million is off for a year of prohibition. Think about the entire entirety. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I can s- see it. Some stats during prohibition: uh, crime raised a total of twenty-four percent, with homicides raising twelve point seven, assaults raised thirteen percent, and drug addictions skyrocketed. Well, what kind of drugs? Like, what were the drugs of her choice at that time? Well, of course, marijuana was key. But uh, yeah, <laughs> of course, uh, there was opiates, opiums, stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so things like that. Uh, and with the massive amount of crime taking place, department costs also soared. Police departments to eleven percent. Uh, the average American. Okay, this is what I was saying before. Average American spending on alcohol also rose because before prohibitions, Americans would spend about seventeen dollars a year on alcohol. Mm-hmm. But with prohibition, it raised it to thirty five a year. And which was a huge jump. That was so much money for people back then. Uh, so potent alcohol began to increase in value, and the higher the value percentage, the higher the alcohol percentage, the better it was to smuggle and sell. That was the good shit that everyone wanted. 
you know? That is so American, too. Right? Like, shut up, fool. We're just trying to get drunk. Right? Give me the <laughs> like, most shit you have. Yeah. Now like now it's, fast. like, trash, like, trash vodka or, like, Everclear. Right. Everclear? Goddamn. Oh, oh, what, are God. you cleaning something? I have so many bad nights with Everclear. Uh, it doesn't even sound like a good name for alcohol. Uh, in response, which uh, I don't know if I didn't know if you know this, but the federal government ordered the poisoning of industrial alcohols with bootleggers. Uh, I mean, so they hired basically to poison out the alcohol that bootleggers were getting it from. What? Uh, yeah, I don't know. If, did you know that? I didn't no, know that. I, I didn't did know. not know that. Uh, so this was a huge. Well, that's kind of fucked up. Uh, yes. So and it was a way that they wanted to deter people at first. Uh, basically. Wherever the bootleggers were getting alcohol, they would poison the alcohol. Bootleggers would get it, sell it, poison people. Uh, bootleggers Ooh. ended up catching on to this, and they're like, "All well, right, yeah." So we had they hired chemists to you know separate the poison from the alcohol and then sell the alcohol. Oh, federal government wasn't about that, so they put more alcohol. I mean, uh, they put more alcohol. They put more alcohol in, the streets, in their poison, right? <laughs> Basically, uh, no, they they, yeah, they just opened a bar, said, "Fuck it, guys, uh, here, poison here, you could drink." We serve and poison. Then they just serve poison. <laughs> uh, so the government put a lot more toxins in it. They didn't hold back at all because at first they held back a bit. And the New York City Medical Examiner opposed the idea because of the harm of human life, but the government still wanted to do it. And it was mm-hmm. as many as ten thousand people died from just the poisoning alone. Wow. It was, and uh, and even though it wasn't deterring people at all, and it was very oh, well God, known that it was, me. oh yeah, you're good. Jeez. <laughs> and they, uh, <sighs> even though they knew it wasn't deterring people, they wouldn't stop. And doctors would even speak out about the practice that was going on, the poisonings, and it was like, this isn't right. Well, of course they would. I mean, it doesn't look good. Right, absolutely. But I mean, 10,000, I mean, wow. 10,000. And this is just from poisoning. It's not just from like over overly drinking too much or anything. Uh, some lawsuits happened afterwards, but of course there are no outcomes because it's the fucking government. How would you, like, how could they be just like, oh, how would you be able to prove that that alcohol you drank, we poisoned? Yeah. You know, so of course nothing really happened with those. Uh, prohibition also was the cause to jazz to become more popular over the years. Uh, it was the type of music played at speakeasy, speakeasies, which of course a lot of people know what speakeasies yeah. are. It's where people underground kind of bars i always have this very fantasy like image of a speakeasy in the uh, 20s and 30s and stuff yeah oh yeah no it's awesome and it seems like it was was a great fucking time uh so and this is kind of a callback which i thought was pretty interesting uh I mean, it was just a connection I made, you know, in the marijuana come episode. To my, come see my piano bar. <laughs> you know, in the marijuana episode, they they try to restrict marijuana to try to, like, kill the jazz because it was spreading with jazz. And so yeah. this was a partial, the reason why marijuana was spreading so much was prohibition. That that way jazz was spreading a lot more. Marijuana spread it with the jazz music, which I thought was a cool little callback to one of the like first episodes. I mean, it had. makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were known as like, oh, those are jazz cigarettes. So, so it was fun. That, joints. Yeah. And it was, it was fun to kind of like see that little circle there. Uh, so the prohibition had some interesting effects on society as well and gender, gender roles. Uh, so since the loon shut down, the idea that... That only macho men drank to kind of died out with the saloons going under or getting shut down. Because that was the idea that, like, men or the only guys who drank at saloons. Women, if you were in a saloon, you were probably a prostitute. Uh, uh, excuse me, sex worker. <laughs> sex worker. You asshole. <laughs> I'm sorry to all the women I offended who are dead. My apologies. The Back then, though, back they, then. they were prostitutes. Or if you were in the Old West, uh, soiled doves. <laughs> Oh god, I hate that term. Soil doves, yes. Also, yeah. Oh, reminds me. It makes me think of like a pelican in the oil spill. Oh, anyway. Oh god. <laughs> so this paved the way for women to enjoy drinking more, and this also kind of uh, we saw a lot more women turning to crime. And I'm doing like, well, crime like what? As like in sex smuggling. No. Oh. Why do you go to sex work? Well, why would that be I mean, a court? Why would that just be all over here just now? Like, oh, prostitutes and I'm trying you know, to find whatever. a way that that would connect well, what to prostitution. Kind of, okay, sorry. Go on. What kind of crime? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it, it was just. I am interrupting you. So fuck. Anyway, go on. Uh, so it was basically uh, they were kind of the smugglers too. They were ideal smuggling for alcohol and committing these types of crime as well. Why? 
policemen don't it have the they don't oh, think she's women a woman can, she's a lady she's which, a nice she's christian not, white lady yeah. why would she you know why why are they british i don't know <laughs> uh but so they didn't really see them as the ones to like mary poppins isn't smuggling liquor exactly into my house and so they would never no, suspect never. a woman to be causing crime and so uh it was a really easy for women to kind of move in and out and be super smooth with their crimes uh so to speak uh <laughs> So, of course, this this act was eventually repealed in 1933 because of lack of taxes. And with the Great Depression starting, the economy desperately needed that tax mm-hmm. revenue. And, of course, also, yeah. they didn't really – like, the, the crime was going up. There was any – all the proof that – all the reasonings to do this was getting proved wrong. You know, whether it be yeah. lowering crime. Like, wasn't it true that, like, there was, like, together. more crime during Prohibition? Yeah, there was more crime before. during Prohibition. Yeah. You know, I stayed yeah. on the stack yeah. before with, like, 12% wow. homicides, wow. you know? And assaults, 13%. Damn. So that was, they were like, okay, this isn't a good thing. And yeah, and it finally kind of died out. And they, uh, even like the president at the time was like, all right, let America needs a drink tonight. And, which I thought oh, was. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, the, with the depression. Like what Elliot Ness said at the end of uh, Invincibles or Untouchables or something of I can't remember. But he's like, oh, what are you going to do in Prohibition? And like, have a drink or. Yeah, basically. And so that's what happened. I think that was played by Kevin Costner. Anyway, it's a good movie. I'll check it out. Yeah. But yeah, that's my history for the week. It's Prohibition. Nice. All right. Yeah. Good general topic with a good history. Nice. There were some, there were some cool awesome. little tidbits that I yeah. There was thought, some also some stuff there that I didn't even know. Like wow. Yeah, I'm surprised about the whole government thing to be honest. Yeah, the thinking. poisoning and all that, st- all the details about that. Yeah, thing. yeah. that's fucked. But yeah. okay, well, on to mystery, my friend, and I have my traditionally. Ri- that was my computer. Sorry, it's it's going to sleep. God damn it! All right, you're gonna wake it. That's wow, it. you just you woke know what. It. Wow, that's obnoxious. It's over. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. We're Cancel. just gonna, it's canceled. We're just gonna let our computers sing into the wind. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> okay, so my mystery this week is something that I am very excited. I have pages of notes. Oh damn! Yeah, you were doing notes um, a good amount of time last night. Yeah, and this afternoon, before a few hours before you got home from work. Damn, honey. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> But I'm really excited about it because I also think it's really good, too. Um, You know, of course, Wikipedia was a major source, but also a lot of uh, UK sources. UK, you know, .co, .uk, .orgs and nets and stuff from the UK and everything with uh, articles and, you know. Oh, yeah. Some partial files that are released and then full files that haven't been released. But anyway... um, but it's got everything you want in a mystery. It's got sex. It's got murder. It's got politics. British accents. Uh, oh, Beatles yeah. music. It's got fucking puns, dude. Like this, <laughs> puns? Puns. Like humor. Like wow. haha puns. Okay. Um, and it is. Good job. That wasn't even. Gr- no, that it was, was not even, involved. That no, was not involved. He is a good white, people. You can tell by that um, rhythm. <laughs> uh, anyway, it is. <laughs> Jack the Stripper, ah. a.k.a. the Hammersmith Nude Murders. Oh, that is intriguing. Now, okay, so uh, the way I'm going to do this, I'm going to be, I'm going to give you some, like, discuss the case name and, and the details about that, and then we're going to get into, like, the victims and investigation and suspects and stuff. Anyway, so the name, first of all, Jack the Stripper, it's technically got two names. Officially, I guess... At least on this side of the pond, officially on Wikipedia, it's the Hammersmith Nude Murders, but also known as Jack the Stripper, ah, who okay. is the person who obviously has committed these murders. Now, the name Jack the Stripper, my initial thought, obviously sounds like, you know... Jack the Ripper's creepy cousin? No, a, a Chippendale murderer. Oh, yeah. You know, hot guy, great moves, bow tie, no shirt type pants. And then he murders you. You know, some great pelvic thrusting... Yes. And, you know, good pecs. When does he kill you? Wide shoulders and then stab. There it is. You know, liver shot. Right, you know, right there. (laughs) Real quick. Um, It's horrible, but it's kind of sexy. Yeah. No, unfortunately, you know, um, sadly, the truth is, I wrote here, uh, but no, sadly, the truth is 
far less sexy, with Jack the Stripper uh, being the culprit behind what are also known as, like I said, the Hammersmith New Murders. Uh, the name Jack the Stripper was popularized due not only to the similarities found between this case and that of the infamous killer Jack the Ripper uh-huh. uh, of centuries prior, but also because of the state in which his victims were found, as well as his still successful evading of discovery. Oh, so he's never been... No, that's why it's a mystery. Still, we do not know how they have not been solved. This mystery has... None of these murders have been solved. Damn. Yes. Okay. All right. So, uh, from 1964 to 1965, in London, England, a series of women, all sex workers, uh, were found naked either in or near the River Thames. Okay. Which is the main All river the going same. through London. All right. And this is how it's similar in Jack the Ripper. You know, it's in London. It's, uh, they're all naked. They, they were all sex workers, you know, that yep. kind of stuff. Okay. Not that all the ones in Jack the Ripper were naked or near the River Thames because they were in Whitechapel. But, um, but. Still like the same kind of. You know. Yeah. Not that, but because I think Whitechapel is near, can be, is kind of close to the river. I don't know. I've I don't been, know. Never I've been never been, been to Le- yeah. I'm not talking I don't about know the that geography. Anyway. I, this is not about that. N- geography of Britain. Oh, it's not? This okay. isn't a geography Jack, podcast? The, it's about the Chippendale murderer. Okay. Not really. Okay, so however, <laughs> despite, quote, intense media interest and one of the biggest manhunts in Scotland Yard's history, unquote, the case still remains unsolved, like I said, and apparently... All forensic evidence that had been gathered at the time has been, or at least is believed to have been, destroyed or lost. Oh, shit. Destroyed in the... You're going to get to that, I assume. We, yes. Okay, got this it. This is me turning up the page. That here, yeah. <laughs> uh, front and back, so we're going to get to another turn in uh, a while. <laughs> the victims. The first victim discovered was Hannah Tailford. Uh, born on August 19th, 1933, in Northumberland to a mining family, uh, she was living and working in London as a sex worker. Then on February 2nd, 1964, uh, she was found dead on the Thames uh, foreshore before Linden House, the clubhouse of the London Corinthian Sailing Club, west of Hammersmith Bridge. She had been strangled, uh, several of her teeth were missing, and her underwear had been forced down her throat. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Her official cause of death was drowning. Hannah was not the only one missing teeth, either. Her teeth, along with the missing uh, teeth of other victims, were believed to have been removed and taken by the killer as trophies. Oh, damn. Yeah. Like his signature, Um, kind of? Not really. Next victim was Irene Lockwood. Um... Irene Lockwood was born September 29th, 1938 in Washington, or no, not Washington, uh, Walkeringham, Nottinghamshire. I think I said that wow, right. Wow, that sounds right. Yeah. Also <laughs> working as a sex worker in London at the time uh, of her death on April 8th, 1964. Uh, so these these women are young. They're all ranging from 20 years old to 30 years old. Okay. So all in their 20s, pretty much. Um, also on... Uh, the foreshore of the Thames River, uh, where she was found at Corny Reach in Chiswick, on the far, uh, at all. Oh, oh, sorry, no. It says here in Chiswick, not far at all from where Tailford, the first victim, had been found. Also, like Tailford, her official cause of death was drowning, and uh, Lockwood was also pregnant at the time of her death. Wow. Now, did these girls, like, kind of look all similar, or do they have just different, like, hair, um, like, different, like, looks? I'm, mm, I mean, when I, I saw pictures, I think what I saw was all victims. The victims I saw, they were all similar in a very general sense that they were all, most of them were brunette. Got it. They were white, but they didn't really all look alike. Got it. You okay. know, I think it was maybe just crimes of uh, opportunity yeah. and circumstance. Got it. You know, like, oh, this is the, you know, and this is who took the bait, or this yeah. is who I came across This is just too, yeah. You know. Who was in a bad place Not a bad her time. night. Yeah. Exactly. <sighs> Sick. Anyway. Uh, where was I? God damn it. Oh, yeah, she was pregnant at the time of her death. Aw. Helen uh, Bartholomew, who was Midlothian-born. Midlothian is a, a place in Scotland. Um... Born on June 9th, 1941, was found in an alleyway at the back end of 199 Boston Manor Road in Brentford. Her official cause of death was asphyxiation and strangulation. Uh, 
But uh, Bartholomew's death gave the investigators their first solid piece of evidence, though, in the case. Uh, flecks of paint that were found and had been uh, the same paint used in the manufacturing of automobiles. Therefore, the police felt that the paint had probably been the result of hasty behavior and was more than likely from the killer's workplace. As a result, law enforcement uh, focused for a while on tracing the paint to a nearby business. Oh, wow. Yes. And then I, of course, I came up no leads or... The... No. Uh, Mary Fleming, the next victim, born September 16th, 1933, in Clyde Bark or Clyde Bank... Clyde... Cl- Clyde Bark or Clyde Bank, <laughs> I can't read my own handwriting, Scotland, was also in London working as a sex worker uh, when her body was discovered on July 14th, 1964, outside 48 Barry Mead Road in Chiswick. Uh, once again, flecks of paint, automobile paint, were found on the body and at the scene. Uh, this, along with many neighbors, reportedly hearing a car reversing down the street just before the body was discovered, uh, was probably why police presence was heaviest here. Wow. Uh, official cause of death was asphyxiation and strangulation. Did- Next victim, uh, Francis Brown who also went by Margaret McGowan, Francis Quinn, Anne Sutherland, Donna Sutherland, uh, Susan Edwards, and Nuala Rollins. How many? Was born on January 3rd, 1943 in Glasgow, Scotland. Wait, why'd she have so many names? We're going to get to that. It's very common for sex workers to have aliases, but I'm not sure why she had so many. I know. And perhaps she was married and had a different name when she was married, or and then husband left her. I don't think Susan. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. But she had a lot of fun. And I I noticed that in my research. I noticed that just on fucking Wikipedia. But I was like, I took note of that, because more than one had multiple names, but sometimes it was just two. Sometimes it was two or three. But But this this fucking That's a book. This bitch had, like, a book of names. (laughs) It was like a guest book of it, it was like she went too. to her own wedding. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so anyway, she was born in January third, nineteen forty-three, in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, she was last seen alive on October twenty-third, nineteen sixty-four, by a fellow sex worker, Kim Taylor, who saw her get into a quote client's car. On November twenty-fifth, her body was found in a uh, car park or parking lot on Horton Street in Kensington. Yet again. Her official cause of death was asphyxiation and strangulation, and her colleague was able to provide law enforcement with an identikit picture and a description of the perpetrator's car, thought to be a gray Ford Zephyr, or Zephyr. Zephyr. With a Z, yes. I like Zephyr because it's awfully close to Heifer. Uh, Zephyr. Touche, good one. (laughs) Uh, Now also, Brana testified... As witness for the defense, along with Christine Keeler and Mandy Rice Davies, as the trial, uh, at the trial of Stephen Ward, uh, in July of 1963, otherwise known as the Profumo Affair. Oh. This is where the politics gets involved. This is a whole, now, okay, so now the Profumo Affair, that was a whole fucking thing in and of itself. Okay. Yes, we're going to get into uh, to that, too, because this is tied in. You know, this is yeah, this all some conspiracy one. theories get tied in. Okay. Sorry, I'm moving my mic. Okay. Now, the Profumo affair, like I said, was a whole thing uh, where was a political scandal that originally started with a brief sexual relationship in 1961 between John, <coughs> excuse me, John, 5th Baron Profumo, uh, the Secretary of State for War in Harold Macmillan's conservative government, and Christine Keeler, a 19-year-old would-be model. Okay. Uh, In March of 1963, Profumo denied any impropriety whatsoever in a personal statement to the House of Commons, but was forced to admit the truth just a few weeks later. Forced? Uh, it I didn't go into detail oh, okay. as to how and and it, several sources I tried to figure out. I think maybe he was just coerced or threatened. Or, Got it. Or it was or it was just going to come out anyway. Yeah, so, so much. You know, yeah. yeah. He resigned from the government and from Parliament as a result. Uh, repercussions of the 
uh, affair severely damaged Macmillan's self-confidence, and he resigned as prime minister on health grounds in October of 1963. His conservative government party was marked by the scandal, which probably contributed to its defeat by the Labour Party in the 1964 general election. So that's a little, just a little bit on the Profumo affair. Got it. And the, the these women's connection, or this woman's connection to that. Okay. Um, but there was a direct connection to it. That is anyway. Okay. Uh, the, uh, then there was Bridget O'Hara. Born on March 2nd, 1937, in Dublin, Ireland, her body was discovered on February 16th, 1965, near a storage shed behind the Heron Trading Estate in Acton. Uh, she had actually been missing since January 11th, though, uh, since victims... Oh, wait. Wait, when she get found again? Uh, she went missing on January 11th, but she was found February 16th. Wow, okay. Yes. Uh, once again, flecks of industrial paint were found on the victim's body, which were traced uh, to an electrical transformer close to where she herself was actually discovered. O'Hara uh, also uh, showed actual signs, or outward signs, uh, of mummification. I say outward because technically mummification is stuff you do to them inside, like their brain and stuff. Uh, so just outward signs of mummification as in, you know, extreme drying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is due to the fact that her body was stored in an extremely warm environment. So not anything he did specifically to her except oh, leave her there. Oh, got it. Uh, but the transformer was a good uh, fit for both the paint and the, the heating. Okay. Damn. All right. This dude is not... Hold on. Because this maybe and probably goes back even further. This new part, two prior victims. Damn. All right. So now... Before any of these women even turned up missing, let alone murdered, there were already a couple of unsolved murders from years prior that have since been considered, as well as acknowledged, as the actual start of Jack the Stripper's spree. The first of these was Elizabeth Figg. Elizabeth Figg was born on March 24, 1948, in Bebbington, Cheshire, England. She also went by the name Anne Phillips and worked as a sex worker. Fig was found dead at 5.10 a.m. on June 17th of 1959 okay. uh, by police officers on routine patrol in Duke's Meadows, Chiswick, on the north bank of the Thames. Uh, the park where she was found was known as a lover's lane type of area, and sex workers were also known to take their clients there regularly, oh, you know, late at night yeah. and stuff. Uh, sorry, I'm just moving my leg. Her body was discovered in uh, Scrubland between Dan Mason Drive and the river's towpath approximately 200 yards west of Barnes Bridge. Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's dress torn at the waist and left open revealing her breasts. Uh, she, was she was just laid, she was just sprawled out there. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um... Marks around her neck also were consistent with uh, strangulation. Her death was concluded to be at between midnight and 2 a.m. And did this on... one have... Sorry, go ahead. No, what? Did this one have any teeth missing either? Or she had her own teeth? Uh, no, I don't think this one had any okay. teeth missing. But, you know, sometimes... You know, here's the thing is, like, the reason I, I think this is credible is because a lot of times, you know, there's... They sometimes take breaks. They do one or two, sometimes yeah. close together, and then they're like, oh, shit, I better come. And they take yeah, the a heat's long on me break. or something, yep. Yeah, and also, but then they have to get back. They break and get back into it, and then they they go even further. So this is about... And then they take trophies. They get bold and take trophies. Yeah, they and, get more you know, familiar. Maybe he wasn't there yet, you know. So this was this happened in 59? This first one, yes. Okay. Fig was This is the 50s, so this is five years prior to the first wow. one in yep. 64. Guarantee you, yep, yep, I think that's absolutely reasonable. So, um, oh, anyway, so, uh, we're left, over, left o open revealing her breasts, her bubbies. Bubbies. Uh, <gasps> marks around her neck, strangulation. Her death was concluded to be between midnight and 2 a.m. on June 17th. Uh, personal identification, possessions, her shoes, her underwear, uh, her handbag, all missing. Jeez. Eventually, a postmortem photograph of Fig's face that was passed around the press was recognized by both her roommate and her mother. 
there were extensive searches and there was no sign of Fig's underwear, black stilettos, or white handbag, uh, thus leading officials to believe that, quote, she had been murdered by a client in his car uh, after removing... Uh, sorry, turning the page. <laughs> After removing her shoes and her underwear and other said items, and that these and her handbag and then remained in the car after the body was disposed of at Duke's Meadows. Uh, but on the opposite side, unquote, uh, but on the opposite side of the river where this all happened, there was a pub. And the owner of this establishment said that on the night of the murder, he and his wife had seen a car's headlights when it was parked in the said area, uh, oh. opposite side of the river, at 12.05 a.m. Between oh, midnight and 2 a.m. Uh, shortly after the car switched its lights off, and then they heard a woman scream. Damn. So, lights go off, then woman Instantly. screams. And then, yeah. boom, this woman turns up. You know, there you go. Um, that has to be crazy hearing that and then just think like oh it's probably nothing and then yeah. like the next day someone comes to your door like yeah that woman you heard scream she was murdered and you're just like oh good like thank well, that. And that, well but that's the thing it's like you don't know that yeah. it's her but here's the thing is you, you, you feel certain you hear a scream but then you're like oh I didn't hear a scream or maybe that was an owl yeah was absolutely it could be so many things you, you know, know? Yeah. I, I mean and, I also do that the river absolutely, yeah. you know, maybe that person drove away that's why the headlights are gone you know that's what you want it to be exactly and then well, that's like however many days weeks or hours or whatever later they'd be like you come up oh, a woman was found dead just over there across from your establishment you didn't see anything did you and oh. it's like oh, i that's heavy that's heavy yep or like on the night of this here here yep. and you're like oh on the night yeah i just anyway. saw something i just saw it so wasn't, anyway yeah. uh yeah but yeah that's crazy and then after that after elizabeth there was gwyneth reese ms reese was born on august 6th 1941 in barry wales she also went by the names Georgette Reese and Tina Smart and Tina Dawson. Her body was found on November 8, 1963, so this is a full year before the start of the spree, the official spree, at uh, the Barnesboro Council Household refusal, uh, Refuse Disposal Site on Townmead Road uh, in Mortlake. Uh, this was approximately this one's pretty gruesome too because this one was approximately one mile from because she was basically in a in a trash heap she was at a oh, dump yard damn. what we would call it here in America yeah. a dump yard Shit. a refuse site you know um, this was approximately one mile from Duke's Meadows Gwyneth was found naked except for a single stocking on her right leg which was rolled down to her ankle. She had also been decapitated by a shovel workmen had been using to level the refuse. Oh, like her body was decapitated yes. when they were just trying to. Oh, that is fucked. That is wow. Imagine being that guy. It's like it's like it's like Maria Bello's boyfriend at the end of uh, Secret Window. Yeah, when Johnny Depp mm -hmm. takes that guy's head off with a shovel, oh and Maria Bello's like laying on the ground. Ah! I haven't seen that movie in years. Ah! It's All like right. I'm there. Um. Anyway, <laughs> the investigation. Almost 7,000 suspects were interviewed by the chief superintendent, John Du Rose of Scotland Yard, who was put in charge of the case. In the spring of 1965, uh, as I stated earlier, the investigation had a major breakthrough when a sample of industrial paint, which perfectly matched that of several uh, other victims' bodies, was also found uh, beneath a concealed transformer at the rear of a building at the Heron Factory Estate in Acton. This factory estate directly faced uh, a paint spraying shop. Oh. Huh. There you go. Uh, soon after, DuRose uh, held a press conference where he falsely, this is a little uh, technique he tried out. He tried to falsely accuse someone thinking that. Not someone. He, this little something he tried that wasn't true, but he thought it would work. Uh, he falsely claimed that the police had narrowed the suspect pool down from, because they, you know, interviewed 7,000, I mean, so many people, they narrowed down the suspect pool to 20 men uh, who were all selected by process of elimination. After a while, DeRose announced that the suspect pool was then reduced to 10 men and then reduced to three, which I think this process is like his, uh, it's not working, and so let's... Yeah, let's narrow it down even and, more. But here's the thing is like, 20 from 7,000 if that's people already know that from to 20 like it's that was yeah however no leads 
uh, turned up and no further known stripper killings following the initial press conference. Ah, uh, yep. Because so, if he backed, backed off all those years ago, he's really going to back off now. Yeah. So, suspects. <sighs> Excuse me. First, there is Kenneth Archibald. Ooh. I love that name, Archibald. Archibald sounds like a serious word. On April 27th, 1964, Archibald, uh, a 57-year-old caretaker for the uh, Holland Park Lawn Tennis Club, voluntarily confessed to the murder of Irene Lockwood at the Notting Hill Police Station. However, when his trial came around in June, he completely uh, retracted his confession and there was no evidence connecting him to the murder of Irene or any of the others. So he was found not guilty and let go. But what? Oh my God! Are you kidding me? Yeah, and it, oh, yeah, yeah. He he he. But also, I admit it. But I don't think I think maybe just he just attention. It was got a famous nervous. thing, and like I want to be Jack the Stripper. Jack the Ripper was so famous. I don't and, know. I, don't know. Like, I, I feel like if he did possible. if he did do it, and he said that, yeah, sure. But then they call a lawyer, and the lawyer's like, hey, listen, they don't really and have listen, anything in this case. If people sent fan letters to Charles Manson when he was still alive, I can see a guy having a nervous breakdown or wanting to end his life the way as it is, or having a mental break and then confessing to something he didn't do to kind of like. I'm done, you know, or whatever. I mean, anyway. yeah. Anyway, that's Kenneth Archibald. Then there's Mungo Ireland. Yes, his last name is Ireland, so his don't first name confused. is Mungo. I'm going to be going by that's, last that's, names. <laughs> I like how you okay. address his la- second name. I would address his, yeah, his name's Mungo. That's racist. That's not racist. Um. Anyway, I'm going to be going by Ireland since I go by Archibald Ireland in you know, all last names generally. So, um, don't get confused. I don't mean the country. Uh, in 1970, Du Rose identified Ireland on the BBC in an interview as a respectable married man in his 40s who he had also, turning the page, uh, codenamed, quote, Big John. Ireland was a Scottish security guard whom Du Rose considered to be the most likely out of all the suspects. The reason for this is due to the fact that he worked as a security guard at the uh, Heron Trading Estate. The same place where flecks of industrial paint were traced mm. to from the corpse of Bridget O'Hara. But soon after this connection was realized, Ireland committed suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, that's not suspicious at all. He left a note for his wife saying, quote, I can't stick it any longer, unquote, and ended with, quote, to save you and the police looking for me, I'll be in the garage, unquote. Mm. However, recent research has revealed that Ireland, however, uh, was in Scotland at the time of O'Hara's murder, thus making it highly unlikely that he is the stripper. Wow. But I said highly unlikely. It's not proven. We don't know. Yeah. Then there's, of course, Freddie Mills. And by the way, when I initially looked up on, uh, when I did an initial Google search of this, these murders... Freddie Mills came up everywhere, but he was listed kind of midway on the list on a couple other sites. So I just, I'm getting to him now, but he's a big one, another big one. So Freddie Mills, there were many people at the time who apparently were not only suspicious, but straight out convinced that Mills was the killer. Uh, Mills was a light heavyweight boxing champion who was also reported, uh, Uh, despite his public image, to be a sadist, sexually warped, and intensely enjoyed inflicting extreme pain. Ooh. Uh, But he was also kind of a celebrity. You know, I mean, heavyweight champion. Yeah. Well-known Cray-era gangsters, including Charlie Richardson and Frankie Frazier, had long suspected Mills of committing the murders. Mills was also linked to the murders by Peter Neal, a freelance journalist, and it was also just considered uh, common knowledge by, uh, by the West End. Wow. Like a whole section of London. But yet again, Mills was found dead. Shot apparently by suicide in July of 1965. Why is everyone committing suicide that's getting investigated? That's my question. Why do you say apparently by suicide? Was well, there like because that's what it said. That's what it said. Apparently. Oh. So they know he got shot in the head or shot somewhere and killed him. But it was like, apparently it was suicide. But it's like, hmm. Oh my god. So these two, to me, are the most likely yeah. to. Hey, so far. But there's a couple more. Uh, the last one I'm going to talk about majorly is Harold Jones. Uh, the crime and investigation channels Fred Dinanage, or Dinanage, or Din, Din, 
Dineg Day Jr. Murder Casebook put forward the theory that the killer could have been Harold Jones, a convicted murderer from Wales. Jones killed two girls in the Welsh town of Abertillery in 1921. Uh, but he was only 15 at the time, so the death penalty was off the table. Oh. Uh, so instead, he received a life sentence. He served 20 years of said life, of said sentence and was subsequently released for exemplary behavior. He's curious. At the age of 35, uh, and he returned to Abertillery, uh, visiting the graves of his victims. Oh. I don't know if that's because it's remorseful or if it's like triumphant. Powerful? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, powerful. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I, yeah. uh, by 1947, he was living in Fulham in London. Uh, there were some similarities between the stripper murders and his earlier crimes, but there uh, there was poor record keeping in the part of the police, and he was never uh, considered as a serious suspect after a certain point. Got it. So it just kind of faded away. Yeah. Uh, especially after it went cold. Then there was a, a, a metropolitan police officer who was considered because he was in proximity somewhere and he acted suspicious or something. And then there was Tommy Butler, who there wasn't much on him. The and butler he was a suspect. The butler did it. Yeah, I think it's him. In the billiard with <laughs> a candlestick. Uh, and then there were, you know, other. I mean, 7,000 people, yeah. there were others. You know, oh, yeah. But those are all the main ones I researched, you know, and wrote about and stuff. And that is my mystery because it is wow. still unsolved. Probably will forever uh, be. Jack the Stripper, yeah. And like, it's like, yeah. you don't hear about Jack the Stripper. You always hear about Jack the Ripper. So that was pretty crazy. I do, I I don't know. That is, it. like, it's interesting that man pled guilty. I do see what you're saying about maybe it could be under duress. It could be under maybe his pressure. Under duress. I mean, not duress, but. Is that, no, is that under duress. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. a good, thank you. Or, that's a good, yeah. or if it was like stress it could have been so many things i think that is interesting that he decided to recant i, I do i mean i do believe that maybe it could go the other way and then the little could be like listen they don't really have a case against you all they have is your yeah plea yeah so that could and also be a thing but that. then we also have these two other guys who there was no physical evidence there was no circumstantial yeah. evidence there was nothing really damn it, it, it's, you know, if it happened so, today, so. that that dude get caught so quick. Oh my god. Yeah. He would, oh, you oh. know it. But yeah. especially with all the advancements, because there was also some forensic science back then. This is the yeah. mid '60s, so it existed. It's you something. Know, it was, but it was still developing. Oh, it was still yeah. early. It was very. Early I mean, on. it didn't yeah. really start off till like '90s. I mean, it really didn't get into effect till like the '90s. It yeah, was still. But I mean, you just there. you just fucking you put a fucking you put the Law and Order people on it and they'll fucking, solve it in like 45 I'll minutes i'll solve it on the fucking television show <laughs> right <coughs> well damn so, yeah that's gonna have that is my mystery it's gonna have me jack pondering. the stripper the uh the hammersmith nude murders breasts exposed you want to do your crappy drum roll again or no yeah there it is <laughs> fuck off <laughs> well um okay well yeah. we're almost at an hour that's perfect you know Sound, yeah uh any closing statements you want to make uh, oh yeah so guys uh you know we are at almost 200 downloads let's get hey, that up please listen yeah you know, definitely listen thank you Facebook for listening instagram follow us on instagram at historical mysterious uh facebook at historical mysterious it's all historical mysterious email us send us an email yes we want to hear at, from you uh historical and mysterious at gmail.com and is not the ampersand it's the word and and historical as i mentioned in prior episodes historical is spelled h-y-s not h-i-s because i can't spell but or, it's h-y-s historical and mysterious at gmail.com please send us an email we'd love to hear from yes, you uh, fan mail hate mail hey guys you fucked this up but good job mail <laughs> Or, hey, guys, you uh, fucked this up. You, you suck, know, man. Rate, or. review us on iTunes. We're on yes. iTunes. Please subscribe, rate, review us. It really helps. Definitely. You know, Absolutely. You know. And we can keep doing these and knowing yeah, what you guys like. Yeah, we keep doing these. We want to get going. Absolutely. You know, reach the people. We really enjoy doing it. You know, It's pretty cool watching. We love learning about this stuff. Recent, you know, It's kind of like doing a book report each week, but it's like fun. It, exactly, because you, know, you learn it. a new like thing, yeah. and it's something you want to learn about rather than school. It's something you were just yeah. kind of forced to learn about. So I think exactly. it's pretty cool. And you, and, like, teach the person in front of you about it. It's like you present It's like, look what I know about. I'm going to tell you and all about it. And it's pretty cool that we have, like... We, and we get to choose. We choose the topic. Yeah. So it's like... 
and it's know, cool we can see like you want to know about it because you chose it and it's like oh well that does seem interesting to me. yeah it's not like oh well here's a book about the fucking renaissance read everything about the renaissance exactly. and the reformation of the church good luck give me a 12 page paper go yeah fuck yourself uh, i have teachers said that to me countless times it's pretty bad me too <laughs> No. But anyway, no. Send us an email. Rate, review, subscribe, please. Uh, tell Thanks your for friends. listening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or anywhere else you get your podcast. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. And we will talk you to you next week. Next week. We're also going to pre. We're also going to try and re-record an episode in the next couple of days, but it won't be released for another week. Exactly. Because you're going to be leaving. But that'll be like I'm still here. On the 18th. Yes. To go to California, as we've mentioned before. Yes. Um, but it's going to be like you're here. Exactly. Exactly. And that's going to be kind of cool. To the listeners. You can listen to it while you're in California. It, yeah, definitely. You can listen I to yourself. hate my voice. No. Oh, whatever. I'm not doing that. It's whatever. I hate it. Whatever. It's it not sounds like I'm, I have a cold up all anyway. the time. So, yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, happy holidays. They're all coming up or starting. Yep. You know? Enjoy the holiday season. Um, Don't get too caught up in the stress of it. And yeah, talk to you next week, guys. Bye. Um, Have a good one. Bye.